Greetings everyone, this is Jim Emmerich. Welcome to the Chointcast, interviews and short stories from across the world that connect us with people who wish to share their stories about leadership, where this passion comes from, and the goodness that results. Ever have a life-changing event? In episode 15, we meet Carla Moore, author of Crash, Leading Through the Wreckage, who has. An empowering and proven leader, Carla currently serves as Vice President of Sales Strategy and Education for Home Box Office, HBO, in New York. She began her career with HBO as an entry-level sales trainer 20 years ago and worked her way up, working in multiple departments. Carla is an active public speaker, delivering conference keynotes and facilitating workshops on a variety of subjects, including her passion, activating personal power. She has been featured in the Chicago Tribune, Forbes, Cosmopolitan Magazine, and other outlets, and has also served as a panelist at leadership summits and career management events. Carla is an active member in the media industry, currently sits on the National Board of National Association of Multi-Ethnicity and Communications, NAMIC, and holds an MBA from Keller Graduate School of Business. Today's joint cast is with Carla Moore. You may not have heard of Carla Moore, but she's at HBO, and she has a fantastic book out called Crash, Leading Through the Wreckage. That's Crash, Leading Through the Wreckage. And I'm very, very excited to have you join us today, Carla. I'm good, I'm good Jim. Thank you so much for having me. Having so excited to talk to, talk to book. Well, before we start on the book, you're involved in organizations such as Women in Cable and Telecommunications. Can you tell us about one of your favorite organizations that you're passionate about? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an industry organization called NAMIC. It's the National Association for, my, for Multi-Ethnicity in Communications. And it is the premier um, organization who educate, or that educates and advocates for diversity in the industry. I have been a member of this organization for all of my um, HBO and cable career. And in fact, I credit my leadership development and personal development, career development um, to this organization. My career success is absolutely directly tied to my relationship to this organization called NAMIC. I learned a lot from from women in cable as well, um, but I've been on the board for NAMIC for the last five years. And again, uh, my entire career was NAMIC. And I speak a lot about being active in organizations uh, in your industries because that is where one could really hone leadership skills that you may not otherwise have a chance to, to, to build in your company, particularly if you're a mid-level professional or up-and-coming professional. So uh, membership uh, in organizations is very, very key and very important to the success of my career and, and for others as well. Can you offer a pointer to that, Carla? Is there a website or a, mm-hmm. a, a link you can point people to? Yes, it is nameit.com. It is N-A-M-I-C.com. And it's um, it's truly a fantastic resource. And even people who are not in media and entertainment, you can pop over there and see what types of things we're training on and, and what we're talking about and how we're developing the new generation of leaders um, with this diversity message. And it, it really is um, a powerful organization, and I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it. It sounds wonderful. Now, you, your book mm-hmm. obviously is has had many references to HBO, so this is just a fun question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm an admitted uh, Game of Thrones junkie. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
mm-hmm. I, I wasn't the early adopter in my family, but tell us something fun about HBO, maybe Game of Thrones, that the audience doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And then I would um, no longer have a job, Jim. I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to come work for you at that point because they would tell me to hit the door. Um, how about this? This is something I, that I find interesting when I share it with people. It, it's actually kind of fun. So I have been with HBO over 20 years, and I started in the Atlanta office as an entry-level sales trainer. And, of course, now here I am today, head of sales uh, in New York. But a stop between Atlanta and New York was Chicago. That's really where I built my leadership career. I spent 10 years in the Chicago office, again, going from entry-level to higher-level executive role. Would you believe that one of my assistants – one of my assistants in the Chicago office now has the starring role in Ballers, the hot new HBO show that's shot and set in Florida um, around these retired football players. She's the only female lead, permanent female lead on the show. And I'll never forget, um, we did not know each other. I hired her uh, literally just off the street. She was smart and she was sharp. And one of the things she kept saying is, how she wanted to be an actress. And I, I remember saying, well, Jasmine, her name is Jasmine Simon. And I said, Jasmine, then you need to be where, where actors are. That's L.A. Within six months of moving to L.A., this woman was sitting at a table read, table read with Dwayne Johnson. How about that? She landed. It, 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 it's a stunning story. And in some interviews, particularly her earlier interviews, she actually mentions me in many of her interviews with Entertainment Weekly. Sometimes I'll see my name pop up where she says something like, I actually used to work for HBO. My, one of my favorite bosses in the car was Carter Moore in Chicago. She taught me how to write emails. <laughs> <laughs> what a great story. Well, how about you then, Carl? How do people find you? How do we find you online, mm-hmm. web, Twitter? How do we find mm-hmm. you? My handle is Seymour Speaks. That's Carla Moore for Seymour, um, Seymour Speaks, Seymour for your life, Seymour for your family, Seymour for your future, Seymour Speaks everywhere. That's Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. So you can find me on Seymour Speaks, and I'm there every day. <laughs> every day I'm, I'm, I'm alive. Okay, well, that's Somewhere where you find on, on Carla. That's where we mm-hmm. find her, Seymour Speaks, and I recognize that from Twitter. And again... Your book is called Crash, Leading Through the Wreckage. And let's jump into your Mm -hmm. book now. It starts off, Crash starts off with your thoughts about, let's call it the mythical barrier between our work self Mm. and our true self. How have your Mm -hmm. thoughts about that changed over time? So I used to think, and that's a great question, this idea, and I I love your phrase, this mythical barrier. I may have to use that again. Um, I, I spent most of my career, in fact, most of my life, quite frankly, um, because my own personal transformation, this transformation that I talk about and write about and hopefully inspire others to get on a path to, only took place just 10 years ago. And uh, and for most of my life, I always thought that you had to be someone different, whatever room you're in, wherever you are, you had to be something different. Now, I still believe that there is an adjustment, of course, you make. You're not the same in your living room as you are in the boardroom. But 
but it's not a far departure. Um, it shouldn't be a far departure from who you are to your core. And so the important, one of the biggest messages in my book is getting to know who you really are as a person and particularly how that helps uh, guide you as a leader. So, so knowing who you are, what you are here to do, and what you're in it for should be a foundation wherever you go, in with any room you're in. And because I was unsure of that, four years, I mean, I'm 50 years old, and, and I just got here at 40, just 10 years ago. And whatever boss told me that I should be over here, I'd be that. And in that room, I'd, he or she would tell me to be that person, or they would tell me I need to do this and be... I was I was so unsure and certainly unclear on who I was that I allowed others to tell me who I was. And there was no stability or confidence in that. And I was just spinning. And I mean for decades. Although I was being steadily promoted and had a pretty steady career, I did not have a sense of who I was and what I needed to be and who I needed to be. So once I gained that clarity after my crash, instantly clear that I needed to have more personal enlightenment and more clarity around there so I could stand firm on who I was meant to be. And that's what I carry out in every room. So that part hasn't changed. That's what I learned and that's what I share. It's a Get great it to that. it's a great realization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most mm-hmm. of most of the people who come to our leadership excellence classes, the ones who I would say really take away a lot from it often have a very similar transformation and i don't i don't think your story is unusual at all many people are mm-hmm. 15 20 25 years into their career and and will still get these these legacy thoughts where someone especially in a technical field really mm-hmm. seems to want to prove that they're the best at that and you can tell that that transition hasn't occurred that um mm-hmm. the the work self and the home self uh, mm-hmm ultimately should become the same person. Now, this is a great setup for my next question. <clears throat> I took the great liberty in in turning my book review of Crash and transforming it into what I called a crash leadership philosophy, since in my opinion you were sharing your personal leadership philosophy throughout the book, whether or not that was your intended objective. And I'd just like for you to comment on that. Mm-hmm. I, again, I love how you phrase that. Um, I... I knew I wanted to capture <clears throat> my story, but but in, in a humble way, only to use it to illustrate how people can take themselves from where they are to where they want to be. And that means at school and work at church and in, in, at play in life. And, and I knew I wanted a leadership angle because that's where I saw, that's where I had this unexpected um, benefit this unexpected positive kind of consequence of my own personal enlightenment clarity is that once I got to work, things really started to rev up. People really started to gravitate to my thoughts, my leadership opinions, and, and how I even showed up. Um, so I knew I had to make the connection between helping people get clarity around who they are so they can then show up at work and then influence others and help others become the best at who they can be. And leadership is important to me. I get this question a lot. Why is leadership such a big topic for me? Um, I've been a student of leadership since, since 
since I was in college. I've always been fascinated um, by leaders and their impact, not just at work and on business productivity and employee engagement, but just on people, just the impact leaders have on people's lives. And if you understood the importance of that, the important role that leaders have, then it, then it stands to reason. For me, it stood to reason that then we have to get at the business of making sure that the leader is solid. And so, and so, yes, I, uh, I love that you go with crash leadership philosophy because what I learned was just that. Um, this leadership philosophy, philosophy is centered around enlightened leadership. Once a leader knows their own passions and purpose, knowing what you're here to do, what you're in it for, it alleviates the need to compete and prove. And you now can use that energy to help others live the life they've imagined too, to help others be successful. But you got to do that front end work first. And that's, that, that was the, the premise, the catalyst for the book. It's not just me telling my story of transformation from 300 pounds to triathlete in one year after this car crash and, 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 and checking off the box, a list of things that I've carried with me for 20 years and doing, doing all of that in one year. The book is not just that. It's this clarity and awareness around needing personal enlightenment and how it changed and positively impacted my leadership. The word enlightened captures it really well. One of the things that we ask people who are attending a leadership course is to, is to actually craft, it takes a while, their, their personal leadership mm -hmm. philosophy. And one of the questions is, what does leadership mean to me? We ask that rhetorically so that the group is asking the question themselves. And obviously you captured your own term, enlightened leadership, and it's wonderful. Let's, let's compare and contrast something briefly here. Because okay. let's compare enlightened leadership with scarcity. Scarcity is a recurring mindset a lot of people are writing about now. And I've, mm -hmm. and, I've, and, I've, and I've detected that in, in Crash also. But tell us mm -hmm. in your own words, what, what do you believe scarcity is and what are some of the issues when we have that kind of mindset? Mm -hmm. And Jim, I, I, I believe, and not only believe, I've seen, I've experienced, I know, and I, I don't have the exact figures, but I'm going to go on a limb here and say that most leaders that I engage with that I have had experience with. And I'm not talking about my own leaders or not just my own leaders. I'm talking about those who are also leaders who I've been in leadership classes with, leader, leadership programs. Most of the leaders I interact with don't have this level of clarity uh, and personal enlightenment and awareness. And, and it's evidenced by this strong need to compete and prove and show how good they are. Enlightened leaders show others how good they can be. Uh, your team members, your colleagues, it's not about showing how good you are as a leader, but helping your team members see how good they can be. And I don't, I, I, and I, I know that may sound uh, dramatic, but I believe, it, I believe it to be true. Most people are still, particularly in this day and age of mergers and acquisitions and 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 downsizing, 
and people wanting to wave their own flag and saying, hey, I'm over here, look at me, look what I'm doing. And I just believe that once a leader uh, has, has this awareness truly of their own purpose, again, that means what you are here to do. And my purpose, I am here to help others carve a path forward to the best version of themselves, whether that is, again, at school, at work, at church, at play, in life. And the way I do that, I give and ensure that they um, have all they need. I, I, I give all I have. Any little thing that I have learned, I will share. And I'm known for that. I don't hold or hoard information. And people who operate in this scarcity mentality feel like that they have to hold on tightly to whatever it is they know or what they've learned. And those who have an opposite point of view, like I do, where there is an abundance of everything for everyone, let's all bring our collective wisdom to the table, share it, and help the world be better, help the routine be better, help the culture be better. Sometimes I get the feeling that people either just uh, evolve to having that that viewpoint or not, almost as though it's not worth trying to convince someone who hasn't realized that yet. Mm. One of I, I was mentioning before we started this 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 interview, Carla, that I I connected years ago with Susan Packard, and one of my favorite lines from her book, which I haven't really forgotten, her her she has a gem she put in there. The big aha moment was realizing it was no longer about racking up my own personal wins. And mm-hmm. it, it seems, certainly in your case and others, that there's some kind, something transformative that happens if it all occurs. And we can, you know, we can translate that, I think, into some tendencies. For instance, many professionals, in particular, say, subject matter experts or people who generally excel in their field, especially something mm-hmm. technical— seem to spend most of their career wanting to be the best at it or perfectionist. And mm-hmm. y- you did this too. So what, mm-hmm. what, 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 what changed the most? When I realized that perfection is unattainable, it, it's never going. If that's a goal for yours, you're never going to achieve it. Perfection for me is no longer in my vocabulary. Perfection, when people say they seek perfection, it's the very first sign for me, because I know exactly what it was. I lived my entire life as a morbidly obese woman up until 10 years ago. Imagine this. An MBA um, who's over 350 pounds. Uh, I had to prove my entire life. I was on my first diet at eight years old, just to show you how long I've been battling this particular part of my life. Um, and, And if I couldn't control that area of my life, I couldn't control many other areas. The one thing I could was my academics and my deliverables at work. And so I became a perfectionist in that way. I felt like um, I had to ensure that people knew that I was smart. Because if you were just to look at me physically, you may not have thought so initially. So I worked incredibly hard to be perfect at everything I touched at school, at work. And it was completely exhausting. And when I became a leader, I wore my team out with it as well. And it was not uh, uh, productive. It was just pressure. 
Um, so that's when I discovered it's all about progress, progression, not perfection. So I let that idea go uh, when I realized that perfection A is not attainable and, and that trying to be perfect had deeper uh, connotations. That there was something uh, about the person, the self, that still needed work. So, so yes, it was after the crash, I realized I was trying to still be perfect 10 years ago, still trying to be perfect, but nothing perfect was happening. It's one of the most... It's one of the most important parts of your leadership philosophy, I believe. It's such a powerful mm-hmm. message. Mm-hmm. You know, since since, since since your crash, and, and and in the book, you've you've got a, a nice moniker. It's a cool phrase. You know, the three P's. I don't know what you call it, but it's passion mm-hmm. plus purpose equals power. So mm-hmm. so give us an idea. You know, give the audience an idea, Carl. How how we could use that great phrase of yours? How could we use that ourselves? Mm-hmm. So, so let me tell you how it came about. Um, and it was, it, it actually was, um, I stumbled on it in that I knew or I couldn't be perfect. Because really, I was doing this work every day. The day of the crash was September 18th, 2007. On September 19th, I had not stopped thinking about this up until this very moment. So that's the type of work I've been doing in this, in this space. On, on my own self-development, helping others, writing, all of that. And immediately, I realized, okay, seeking perfection is not working because I'm not perfect. Nothing around my life is perfect. So what is it then? So what do I need to seek? What is missing? And it came to me, and it wasn't um, in the words passion. I ultimately got to that, but I didn't. I couldn't articulate what that was at 40 years old. That's when I had the car crash, um, and I knew that was missing. And I also did study and research that there was there's a difference between passion and purpose. You know, passion is for you, purpose is for others. I couldn't articulate that either. But once I got the passion and purpose, that's when things really took off. When I when that landed and planted in my mind and in my spirit, what I was here to do, what I wanted, who I was, and what I was here to do, and what I was in it for, that's when things really took off. And I called that power. So, so within um, a few months, um, I, I came up with just three key equations, which I do need a name for. I'll come up with it one day. But it's passion plus purpose equals power, and and that's how people use it. And that's how I teach it to um, the world. That passion is your compelling emotions, uh, getting to what that is. That excites you, ignites you, that motivates you, and, and keeps you anticipating, looking, and looking for the future. So passion is for you. Purpose is for others. How will you serve the world? I got to this piece, and I've always been, my mom taught us, um, you know, we grew up in a, in a small town, and mama was very clear and adamant about us helping and serving others. And so I knew that was a big part of who I was and how I wanted to be in the world. And I just realized that actually should be a part of everyone's um, thinking, that in order to achieve remarkable, sustainable success, you've got to have passion, whatever it is you want for you, and purpose, something that you can serve others with. 
you need both passion and purpose. And that's where you can really begin then to unleash this incredible power in the world to, to touch others and have others then get to that place. You know, I got the impression, I got the impression, Carla, more of a, a hint in, in your book that professional mm-hmm. or executive coaching, you know, it's it's a very common buzzword today, but I got, mm-hmm. I got the impression it's pretty important to you. And given what you just said, especially talking about purpose being for others, what is coaching what does coaching mean to you? Mm-hmm. Um, I I used to have a definition of coaching. Um, I used to think that coaching was telling people what to do, quote, quote, meaning advise, counsel, um, help people um, on their path by giving them answers. It wasn't until, and, and that was, and that could have been from a, a place of, and it is from a place of, um, you know, compassion and care for others, wanting to see other people do well and helping other people um, on their own pathways and journeys and walks. But what I really learned, that, that what coaching really is, um, is from my certification program. So, yes, I am also a certified professional coach. And I went to a program, went through a program that was nine months long. And on day one, we learned that coaching is not about giving people answers to their problems and counseling them. Coaching is asking enlightened questions so that people can get to the answers themselves that they already have. My new belief and my new thinking around coaching is that people already have the answers they need. They already have the tools to bring their lives into an alignment. And alignment means what you have inside, your heart, mind, body, spirit, soul. How do you align that to what you're actually experiencing and want to experience? That we already have and possess the power to change our very own lives. But that it's a coach who has the questions to get the person to it. Because you already have the answers. I don't give answers. I ask the questions to help you get to the answers that are already in you. Maybe the best defin maybe the best definition of coaching I've ever heard. Mm, thank you. That's what it is. Now, obviously, um, you know, are, are, can mm-hmm. I switch gears here? Or yes. Okay. Come on. All right, that's all right. I want because I was in that moment for a minute. I could have gone another minute, but let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell. Okay. <laughs> the audience can probably tell that that Carla's book starts with a pretty significant car crash, and I'm not trying to draw out all the details of that. I'm trying I'm trying to draw out the transformation. But obviously, mm-hmm. vulnerability and there's a lot of vulnerability in telling that story. It's a big mm. it's a big part of not just the book. I think it's a big part of who you are now. But how do you, how does vulnerability relate to authenticity and leadership, though? Mm-hmm. I just had this discussion. Um, I spoke to a couple hundred people in Nashville, Tennessee, at an executive leadership women's conference, and that very question was posed from the floor. This was just two weeks ago, but I talk about it all the time. Um, but before I jump into that, yes, just a funny little note. I I know what vulnerability is. I, I knew what I was doing as, as I was writing this book. I knew as I was coming home and putting these words on paper, I knew I was, as I was in tears at some times, 
um, sometimes writing this, that, that I was sharing something that, um, that would live in perpetuity uh, about my life and my thoughts. And it was the day, it wasn't until the day that I turned that manuscript in or vulnerability hit me in the chest. I literally hit send. When I hit send on my final manuscript, I, I, I had a moment, Jim, that morning I said, oh my gosh, I just put my whole life on paper in the, for the world to see. And, and, and I almost had a little moment of anxiety and just a nanosecond later, I said, well, oh goodness, what good is writing a book or telling a story if you don't tell it this way? You, you have to be vulnerable. You, you, you can't leave out. You can't try to frame and sugarcoat. You have to be vulnerable. Um, a, vulnerability is authenticity. I, I don't believe you could be genuine um, if you don't show people that you are not perfect, that you don't know everything, that you don't have every single answer, that you too are flawed and still working on yourself. And that's what I tell my team. I said, guys, I don't have the answer for everything. I said, but I'll, I can research and go find it for you. And, and, and I'm not perfect either. I'm still working on me. And what I find, what that does to people, it allows them to breathe and not have to keep up with any grand charade either. <laughs> they, they're now freed from their own um, challenges of trying to pretend or uh uh, or show up in a way that's not true themselves. I'm gonna, so, have, I'm gonna have to point people who are drafting their leadership philosophies to to this particular part of the joint cast, Carla. It turns out after people have attended a three day leadership excellence class of ours, there's there's follow up executive coaching calls, and one of the standard first questions in the first coaching call is, "Who have you shared your leadership philosophy with?" Mm-hmm. When that happens, there's often three, four, five, ten seconds of silence, and I think it's all about the vulnerability thing because someone can just draft a leadership philosophy, maybe 500 words, not a whole book like you did, and even that exposes people to vulnerability. So in it a way, does. in a way, you're you're a terrific pointer now to say, okay, that's I'm asking for 500 words. Look what she did. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think I'm going to use that one too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, if anybody, yeah, a book about your life and your thoughts on paper is, oh, and it, yeah, you talk. But I, but I had to. There's no other way for me to do it. In fact, I actually lived this way. Even when I was not clear on me and who I was in the world, how I wanted to be in the world, I still knew to. Um, to, to, I still knew to, to, to carry a sense of something that was real. Even though I write about the Grand Charade, and that is the section in my book, um, I still knew, though, what truth was. That's how you know, that's how you know what a charade is, if you, if you know what the opposite is of anything. Absolutely. So, it's, mm-hmm. Speaking of your leadership philosophy, or my version anyway, we could call it uh, my edited version, Yours, yours calls for integrating community service into our life and mission. And that's a very nice statement. You're a pretty busy person. So how, do, how, do, how can someone fit that into a busy lifestyle? Oh, it, it truly is. Um, it can be difficult 
to add yet another thing on your your list. But I have to tell you, Jim, what else is there to do but to help others and serve the world? What I know for a fact is that no one is here on this earth. And Mama taught us this as kids. And then I grew up to believe and learn uh, and have, of course, a shared philosophy. There is no one born, I believe, no one born on this earth just in and of and for themselves. What is all that about? You wake up, you go to college, you get a degree, you go to work, you earn, you stack your bank account, all, all that for what and for who? For you? For you to then just die and, and take it to the grave? You can't take it to the grave. I've, I've never seen a funeral with a U-Haul attack. I mean, you can't take it with you. Our time on this earth is to touch, connect, engage, and inspire others and help others and love others. And, and, and so when we have these busy schedules, I would challenge people to think, what's on, what can you stop doing in order to serve others? What can you stop doing that's not con- contributing to the world? I'm going to borrow that question. I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow can, I'm gonna borrow that question. What can you stop doing to serve others in the world? Because there's mm-hmm. there's a there's a perfect place in a setting leaders leadership priorities workshop that I can throw that in. Yes. So just yes. just a couple more questions here. And these are fantastic answers, Carla. One of the toughest Thank parts you. when facilitating leadership groups and I I was literally just doing this on Friday with a group of thirty four, is is having people commit to receiving to receiving feedback about their written leadership philosophy. You call for both transparency and feedback. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. what, what led you to embrace those principles? <laughs> I love that question. And it's because I want to be transparent and give feedback. See, you can't want something that you're not willing to have yourself or take yourself. Because I knew that I have a lens, um, a, a, a visibility that can help people see pitfalls, um, uh, you can call it shortcomings, whatever that could keep one from being successful. I have this eye for talent, and I have an eye for when someone is either in the right seat or not in the right seat. Um, and so, and by the way, I spent two years um, out of my 20 years at HBO in the sales distribution department. I took two years and they asked me to um, head up HR. I mean, head up talent acquisition in HR. So I was head of recruiting for a couple of years um, because I did have this natural ability to build high performing work teams quickly because I can assess talent quickly and put people in the right seat quickly. So in order, but, but in order to be able to be that transparent for other people, I knew I had to allow transparency and feedback myself. But I, but I love feedback. I actually seek it out. And so I use that um, as a leader. I use the fact that I seek out feedback and that I encourage people to be open and transparent with me, with, with what they observe about me, how I can get better in order for me to do the same. So It's a great way to look at it. Yeah. And it, I think it ties mm-hmm. right back to the authenticity and what you were saying before also about coaching. It's not about telling others. It's about 
it, it's about it's about listening. It's about serving. That's the authentic part. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that wraps up our our questions. But looking ahead, Carla, what projects are you working on right now that you can share with the audience? I, I, I tell you, I have several things in the works. Um, I I know that there's another book coming, and I won't share it right here, right now, but I'm not so sure it's going to be a business leadership book at all. And I mean something completely, a complete departure um, from this, from this subject matter. It's something I've been wanting to write about um, for a while, but it's, it's, you know what I'll tell you. So it's, <laughs> I want to actually write uh, on dating and relationships, actually. So um, that's something I actually thought was going to be my first book. But nonetheless, projects along this vein, I am working with a um, a colleague now. She's also a certified professional coach from from NYU. She's um, industry colleague, and we want to. I, I want to move into this business of creating leadership development workshops. I want to do what you're what you do. I want to somehow um, capture this philosophy in seminar and workshop form, and begin sharing this around the country. Uh, for sure. So whether it's, again, workshops or seminars, I also am thinking about starting a podcast. I want a podcast and I don't know how to get it all going yet. And maybe you can help me with that too, Jim. <laughs> but um, I want to, I, I do, I want a crash podcast or I don't know if we're going to call it crash courses or, um, or what, but there's something there uh, regarding uh, podcasts and, and speaking to people in real time. Um, and more often than just my keynotes. And I'll continue to do speaking and, and conferences and, and, and panels and workshops and things like that. But uh, So, yeah, uh, another book, maybe not in this vein, but, but this leadership piece, I really want to continue to expand it because I still think um, regardless of how many people are talking about it, you know, I think my viewpoint is, is, is unique because it's my viewpoint. And, we all talk on leadership and passion and purpose, and there's millions of books on it, but maybe something I say can touch and inspire someone in a way that um, that someone else maybe did not connect with, and vice versa. There could be other people speaking on it where they're connecting people uh, with their message versus mine. So I, I know that I have to keep moving on this and keep expanding on it. And... um and I look forward to doing that and bringing that to the audience. I think it's going to be fantastic, and I'm certainly looking forward to it. So once again, thank you, Carla Moore, author of Crash, Leading Through the Wreckage. Clearly, we haven't mm-hmm. heard the last of Carla. We're going to have to watch out for another book and also <laughs> for an upcoming upcoming podcast of some sort. But, but once again, uh, really from the heart, Carla, thanks so much for all that you shared, both in your book and in our joint cast today. Thank you, Jim, for having me. It's been a pleasure and honor to talk with you this morning. And thanks for allowing me to just share this message with everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you've enjoyed the joint cast, a positive review and kind word to your friends and colleagues would be most appreciated. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, hashtag Choink, C-H-O-I-N-Q-U-E, and visit www.choink.com to sign up for an upcoming Leadership Excellence course and to support one of our worthy causes, such as Autism Speaks Walk.